This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Monarch Legacy of Monsters by Story Archives. I am your host, Mario Busto, alongside the other host, Zachary Newton. Welcome back. We're back with season one, episode two of Legacy of Monsters. Let's just call it Monarch. And it's called Departure. Thoughts on episode two so far, Zach? How do you like the trajectory? How does it match up or stack up against the premiere of the series for you? I am really liking it. I feel like this season is off to a great start. I did like um, episode one quite a bit, though I like episode two a little bit more. I like that we're diving deeper into the characters. And I think the the big thing, uh, like, look, I haven't seen a lot of the new, um, I don't know what Monarch Universe movies or whatever you want to call it. Yes. Um, yes. But I have, I have seen like one or two. And I will say, I like that we're diving a lot more into the people element. We're diving into the actual characters going on here. And there's less of a focus on the monsters. There's still enough of the monsters. Like it still feels like like you know there's there's some impending threat somewhere. But um, I really like to see the uh, the world building here and the character building that's going on. So I really like this. I also am a fan of the whole like you know dual storylines going on. I think it's really cool to see Wyatt Russell and Kurt Russell uh, both in the same episodes. It's dope. I love it. Like it's it it makes me very happy. I'd be super proud of that if I was if I had like a father son duo like if I was an actor my dad was an actor and I got yeah. to do a a series or a movie with him playing the same character that would be yeah. such a neat experience to share with each other and obviously we're not going to see them on screen at the same time but nonetheless seeing them both um I was enjoying that I was actually introducing my my pops to the series because Kurt Russell's a beloved actor he's one of my favorite old timer actors, right? You know, from mm-hmm. Tombstone to all sorts of movies he's been in that, you know, I don't think he ever misses in a film that he's in, but Tombstone obviously tops, tops them all uh, <laughs> as like an all-time Western classic in, in my book or just classic in general. But um, with you, I love the dual storylines, but I will say this, maybe I don't like it as much as you do, but they do it really well in this series so far. And I thought that episode two was a great example of how to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Just in my experience of what I what I personally enjoy more out of a story, I loved how everything was lining up perfectly from the file to you know 1952, and now we're seeing 1952 to uh, the photo that he finds of Lee because we get to learn more about Lee Shaw and his younger years and how he meets Doctor Ke- uh, Keiko Mura, uh, which they have an interesting kind of rocky. Um, start to their relationship when he kind of just keeps on assuming and putting his foot in his mouth at this time because at this time it was rare for a scientist to be female and to for be a for a prominent scientist to be a young female right so yeah um anyways i loved his sort of credence clearwater uh intro at the beginning where we get the stage for the kind of guy he is you know he has a, a an intolerance for any sort of bullying and his our first introduction to him really aside from the first episode, is that he's standing up for this girl in the Philippines who's getting taken advantage of, right? Yeah. Yep. In Manila. 
And we learn a little bit about his father, who's now a drunk, who also was in the military and has a history with his commanding officer. So there's all sorts of storylines going all over the place. And although Godzilla, I went into the series assuming that Godzilla was going to be the focal point, And yes, he may be the king of all the monsters. It made clear in this episode that there's going to be multiple monsters. I mean, if anybody's ever played the video game Elden Ring out there where there's just monsters all over the world and there's like more ones that are stronger than others, mm. it feels like this is just going to be not just one battle they're dealing with, but a series of battles with several different types of monsters. Because even in this episode, when they're going through the SS Lawton, the, the destroyer that ends up in the Philippines, um, I thought it was Godzilla in that ship. And I was like, but Godzilla is too big to fit in that ship. Who, what kind yeah, of monster? Way is too it? big. Yeah. And it's, it's this dragon thing. Yeah, no, and, but that's another thing that I love about this show, right? Like, it's it's the yeah. fact that there's not so much just a focus on the monsters, it's the focus on the people, and there's, there's like, a lot of interesting mystery going on. Like, I still want to know what the big deal is with the files. Uh, clearly, that's not been answered yet, though it yes. is obviously important given the, the things that happen in this episode, like, uh, you know, Kate and friends being chased after, uh, including her brother-in-law, or what, what would you call that? Not, not a brother-in-law. His, not a brother-in-law. Uh, it's a half-brother. Half brother. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, like the, the mystery as well. Like I want to know how the hell the ship got there in, into the middle of the Philippines. Like it yeah. doesn't look like there's yeah. any water nearby. It looks like it's literally just placed in the middle of like two mountains. So, Yeah, that, that was a pretty interesting um, discovery that Randa and uh, Kiko or Kay, let's just call her Kay, uh, make in the flashback. I think... Every character kind of has a shining moment in this episode, right? I mean, hmm. Kentaro and his mother have a shining moment where they get pretty much harassed by this guy named Tim from Monarch, who's very aggressively going after these two for these files, right? Uh, yeah. Going so far as to kidnap Kate. Um, but we get this really cool moment between Kentaro and his mother where she's a badass too. I mean, she kind of like in her own secret way tells him to take the files and run, you know? Yeah. So there's all sorts of everything you need for a good show. We're getting like all the little puzzle pieces, right? We have the mystery of Hiroshi and how he disappeared. We get um, the story of Lee, Kay, and Billy, right? Bill Randa, who mm -hmm. an emailer, which remind, uh, let's pull up those emails for at the end of the episode, we can read the, the couple of that came in. John Goodman's character, who I didn't know, is actually Bill Randa, who's Billy, who is um, Kiko's husband, Kay's husband, right? Dr. Moore's yeah. husband. Um, and I didn't think it was him simply because he aged ridiculously from 1952 to 1973. Uh, <laughs> like that looks like a 40 years of aging, not 20 years of aging. So I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. But we, we had an email to write in, I believe uh, Ryan Brenneman, who, um, who mentioned how deeply connected this series is with Godzilla vs. Kong. And although I saw that movie, it's mm. been a while since I've seen it. I haven't seen Skull Island, which I think is the key movie to watch, but I don't even know if I want to watch it because it, it might take away from some of the mysteries that I'm learning as the show goes on. And I kind of like being surprised and not knowing much as I watch this series. Fair enough. Maybe I'll go back and watch it and maybe I can pick up on some of the little Easter eggs that are hidden throughout here. Yeah, that would be cool. That would definitely be cool. All right. So we started the episode, like I said, with Lee, who is assigned on an escort mission, which is kind of 
mysterious in the sense that um, it's kind of a punishment for him for punching one of his fellow comrades in the face for harassing this girl, right? Mm. And the last guy they sent on one of these escort missions died. So he has this commanding officer who I can't quite tell what likes him or doesn't like him at this moment. But um, let's just assume for the for the sake of the first impression that he doesn't like him because his father may or may not have uh, roughed it up with him in the past. Yeah, agreed. I don't think that uh, his boss really like likes him. I think he's just, you know, doing his job. He's giving him a punishment. Knowing that the guy that was on a like escort mission before him though died, why do you not bring more than just a pistol with you? Just saying, like I, I'd I'd at least feel better with a rifle. Maybe not grenades. I don't need to bring grenades with me, but bring a rifle. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Maybe they didn't give him enough equipment for it. Who knows? But by the way, I need to look up this general, uh, General Puckett. Okay, that's the name of the commanding officer, I believe, who's played by Christopher. Heyerdahl, who plays, I was kind of astonished at his great American accent because he's on a show called The Hell on Wheels and he plays this character called the Swede. Mm. And um, he's memorable. Let's just say that. He's also in The Last of Us uh, that we covered earlier this year. Ah. Uh, he, he plays Dr. Schoenheis in that episode, um, which is episode one, When You're Lost in the Darkness. Um, I believe he plays the doctor in, um, hmm, I have to actually look that up. He may play the doctor who intros The Last of Us when we get that kind of, the doctor who's in the talk show. Mm, yeah, that, I think you're might, right. The the first episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want to look that up. But anyways, he meets up with Dr. Mura in the Philippines and she's on a mission really to investigate these radioactive isotopes that keep on appearing on their radar and uh, and they don't know who's behind it. It's very far-fetched to believe that the Philippines are causing these radio- radioactive isotopes and they it's not America. They don't believe it's Russia, but they need to rule out who it could be, right? So they mm-hmm. go to this spot in the middle of the jungle to find it and that's where we meet Bill Randa. You, this is where all these characters meet. They all meet on the exact same day, which is kind of funny to think about, right? Yeah, for for a little bit when they first met, I thought it would maybe like Bill and uh, Kay were kind of like playing a playing a game with Lee or something like that, like they were married at this point. But they don't even know each other at this point. This is when they first meet. Clearly, not married, no kids, nothing yet. So, I mean, they they all must have been together and worked together on this island for quite a while from between where we see them here and where we had seen them in episode one. Okay, so now I got some clarity of General Puckett, who's the commanding officer. He plays, you remember in the talk show at the beginning of Last of Us, there's mm-hmm. an opening where they're talking about where the biggest ep- ep- epidemic could occur from, right? Yeah. How there's a doctor who's talking about and pretty much prophesying exactly what occurs in Last of Us. And mm-hmm. then there's a doctor who's kind of refuting and kind of uh, making light of it. Yeah. He's the doctor who's kind of making light of it, which is interesting. They're keeping him keeping him active and he has a hell of a like I couldn't tell his accent is indistinguishable from his role in Hell on Wheels which was one of my favorite shows <laughs> on uh AMC back at, like when they were like the golden era of television right yeah. um it's a western about people who went west to, to continue the railroads and, and pretty much connecting the US it's a really good show um anyways 
So they go into the jungle. They meet Bill Randa, who's randomly there, uh, pun intended. And he is a researcher of MUTOs. Do you know what the yeah. MUTOs acronym stands for? I had to look it up before. Yeah. So it is a massive unidentified terrestrial organism. Yeah. It's Much funny. It's easier to call it a MUTO, by the way. <laughs> MUTO. Yeah. We'll just keep on calling it a MUTO. Well, it's funny that he's pretty much investigating these mythical huge cre- creatures. But when she mentions alien, she's like, what do you think? I'm insane. You know? So yeah. he's like, he doesn't believe in aliens, but he does believe in these massive creatures who exist here, which I found a little confusing because I can understand how she has that waveform pattern, like how she has a chart and she can measure something. Yeah. But I wasn't exactly sure what he was measuring until we see Lee leaving pissed off, right? Because she dismisses him of service, right? Yeah. Uh, And he sees those lights in the sky. Well, remember, uh, Bill talks about, uh, you know, like some creature you know, spraying fire, breathing fire into the sky, into these patterns. So I think that he basically had a sketch of the like these patterns of fire, if you will, that mm-hmm. people were reporting and she had some actual like readings from a scanner. Yeah. I found it extremely convenient that yes. both sketches lined up Matched so up perfectly. perfectly. It's like, you know, different size pieces of paper and we just happened to like draw this out at the exactly same zoom level. I thought that was kind of... Uh, you know, convenient, but you know, whatever. I mean, we got to make the connection. It's, it's, it does. It doesn't piss me off or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I rewinded it about three times to try to understand if he had dis- explained how he came up with that chart, but there really wasn't a, a massive explanation for it. Um, moving on, this episode kind of juts back and forth between 1952 and 2015, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kentaro's having a difficult time dealing with the fact that his dad. Uh, had an entire different family in, in San Francisco. And that's kind of naturally a jarring discovery to make. But he has a cool kind of character arc moment where he's going to work. He's a typical, you know, company man in Japan. You know, like the, the famous shots you see of all these workers going on the subway. He's, he's yeah. walking around. All these workers are going one direction. Gets fed up and he just makes a U-turn and walks across, against the crowd straight to his dad's office, seemingly going to carve his own path like his father was doing. Although we don't really know what he was up to yet. No, we don't. But in a fit of rage, he ends up finding another monarch file. This guy's got monarch files just lying around everywhere. I have a feeling this is not going to be the last one. But we do get a little bit of, I believe that was video footage in like a little canister. Uh, Correct? Yeah, it gives you the sense that this whole plan of his to leave was not was not deeply planned right because he left things kind of all over the place right yeah it makes you wonder that he was probably chasing over some opportunity uh that he didn't think he'd have another shot at that's what it feels like that he saw a window of opportunity for something he had been working on and so he made the jump to go do it perhaps to see if his mother is still alive who knows right uh, we don't really know uh, what he was going after, but he left a lot of things behind um, that seemed a little bit sloppy for someone who had been so careful to hide the different aspects of his life. Yeah. Do you think he was like, just he's just on the run? Like the, the thing that I, I'm trying to figure out is uh, the relationships going on here because you've got Bill 
uh, Bill Randa and his son is obviously Kate's uh, and Keiko, uh, not Keiko, but uh, Kate's Hiroshi. father, Hir- Hiroshi. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like the documents, the monarch documents that he encountered were the ones that were on that ship, the ones that were picked up in that, I guess, swarm of fish, right? So did he always know about monarch or did he kind of like figure stuff out, find out about it? And now monarch decided to go after him and he went on the run. Like, what do you think kind of happened here? Well, if you think about it, it's highly convenient that he had parents who pretty much founded Monarch. From what we understand, Bill Randa is a founding member of Monarch or is deeply mm-hmm. ingrained with that, okay? Yeah. As far as we know, he's still alive, Bill Randa. Although we do, he does have that moment in the beginning of episode one where, you know, there's a, a giant crab and a spider, but he's not killed. Uh, the last shot of him we see is him dumping the the files into the ocean and him looking at them. Maybe thinking, maybe I didn't have to dump them in the ocean because I Maybe I should jump encounter. in and go get them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I find it almost hard to believe because they say that he was 18. Hiroshi was 18 when his father died. Mm. I, I would find it hard to believe that he literally made it all the way to 18 and his parents who are scientists who founded this organization, they don't really have a reason to be secretive, would hide that information from him. It seemed maybe he was out on that ocean looking for these files mm. and and was actively searching for them. Although, talk about a needle in a haystack, right? Yeah, really. Or a fish stack. I don't know what yeah, I'd call that yeah. one. <laughs> a Unless drop ha- in the ocean. <laughs> but, but, then, but then again, if, if you think about the, where we start this show, He's on the run from Monarch, absolutely, because Monarch's trying to retrieve these files. Mm-hmm. So something went awry with Monarch in terms of the power structure or what's going on in this organization yeah. that was bad enough for him, the son of perhaps the founders or integral members of the founding team, to leave and to pretty much escape, right? And anyone associated with him also is either imprisoned or escaping because when we're introduced to Kurt Russell in this episode and he's in the senior living facility because Hiroshi mm-hmm. leaves that information behind in the file that Kentaro discovers. My first impression was he's a little bit too young to be in a senior living facility. Yeah. Right? And so much. that was that was literally what I wrote before I we that he he lifted up his pant leg and we started to get the sense that he was being surveilled, right? I was like is it's house arrest. Just, I was thinking that he was just in the senior living facility cuz he was trying to, you know, you know, there's some senior women in there. He's trying to kind of just be a player in his old age, you know. I thought maybe <laughs> Maybe that's what he was doing, but no, he's being surveilled. There's microphones and cameras all over the place, and it's really just a um, open air prison, so to speak, of monarchs that's keeping him held hostage there for the most part. Yeah, it's a pretty nice place to be under arrest, in my yeah, in not my too opinion. bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I don't know that. I mean, I imagine it would get boring. I don't I don't know that you're ever allowed to leave or anything like that, but it is pretty nice. Well, I don't think that, I think that's kind of on purpose that they do this, right? Because it doesn't seem like Monarch is is necessarily completely evil. They seem kind of good and evil or not maybe even evil at all. Maybe just they're doing something or striving towards a goal that certain members think is the wrong decision. Because this guy, Tim, who pretty much kidnaps Kate here, he's really, uh, although he's aggressive with it, he's not... Um, over you know what i mean like he's he's trying to calm her down in the car saying hey you're not in like we're not gonna hurt you 
You know, yeah. you could tell that this guy's not, he's really not going to hurt anybody. At least that's what it feels like. But I was kind of shocked that Kate went so easily with him. I would have been screaming bloody murder in that subway if, you know, some guy just grabbed me by the arm and tried to drag me out of the subway. Yeah, well, I mean, he comes off like a very shady dude. So I, I wasn't a fan of that. Though I agree, like there is a sense of like, oh, Monarch might not be that evil. But I mean, in the same breath that you said that, you were literally talked about the fact that he basically kidnapped Kate, right? Like He does, they, he does. There, yeah. there, are, there are just some shady things. I mean, they've got like a lot of like military-esque people, you know, running around with their own uniforms on. So this seems like this very secretive society. Uh, again, I haven't watched like hardly any of the other movies, so I, I can't speak on that with authority. But I don't think that they're good. I feel like they're covering up something or at least trying to cover up something very bad that they were a part of. See, I don't even think it's that. I think that they are like a global gov- government organization but they're highly secretive. So they're really not ever supposed to be found out. And I think that whenever they are found out and these this these files probably represent like just an open, you know, a security concern, right? Mm-hmm. For whatever these classified files contain. Yes, I definitely think they did something wrong. What I'm trying to say is I have a feeling this is more like they're bringing you in and the moment you have those files, like they, these, these kids have no choice. They're all members of Monarch now. And yeah. so I think it's one of those things where you know, it's like, you're a wizard, Harry. You know, you're a part of Monarch, whether you <laughs> like it or not. You saw this shit. You got you to gotta suck it up and be a part of it. Now, his method of bringing her in, you know, shady as hell, right? But they don't ever pull a gun on anybody, right? They go to Kentaro's <laughs> apartment. You know what I mean? Like they could have beat the hell out of them, yeah, or killed them, and taken the files. No, like they, they they could have done things a lot worse. It's just like the, the whole scenes with this just felt, man. Everything was like conflicting with each other. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm not here to hurt you. It's okay. It's okay. As he's putting a bag over her head, I I found it kind of comical, um, and a bit messed up. But yeah, I mean, to your point, I think that's what uh, Bill Randa's or Kurt Russell's version of Bert, uh, Bill Randa had had told us in the show is that once you find out about Monarch they recruit you like you work for monarch once you know you work for them like that that's kind of it so i like whether they're being nice or not the reality is they have these people have no choice for my understanding the way that the way that i'm reading things from this episode is she has no choice her brother her half brother uh and may even have no choice uh and the fact that they're going to be forced to work for randa or i would assume live in Potentially a pretty luxurious prison. Well, just we like keep we saying we keep saying Randa. We don't know if Randa is the one in charge uh, of Monarch at this point. Um, we we truly do not. We know that he had a part of it because of one of the flashbacks where Lee is complimenting him of keeping Monarch afloat or something like that. Yeah, and but my, we don't know. Yeah, my apologies. I think I said Kurt Russell's version of Bill Randa. It's Kurt Russell's version of Lee Shaw. So Lee yes, Shaw yes, is yes, the yes. one that tells us about that. Apologies. Yeah, yeah just say uh, Lee. Just I think Lee because it might get confusing, right? Old, old Lee, old Lee and young Lee. Yeah, yeah. Because I've been doing the Bill Randa thing, going back and forth between John Goodman and and Billy, and I keep it, saying it John gets Goodman a little confusing Randa. after a while. So <laughs> I'm gonna just call him Bill, and we got Bill and Lee. I'm gonna just put the fact that I love John Goodman and and Kurt Russell aside for for this <laughs> series. <laughs> I'll say this: I think that Tim and you know intimidating hit woman that they brought with her uh hit with him who wasn't very effective but um mm. i think 
they could have approached this completely different and brought these guys in so peacefully. They could have approached and been like, hey, they could have even lied. They could have been like, hey, we worked with your dad. You know, we we have these files. We've been looking for them. You know, you could have just kind of deceived them to bring them in. Well, he didn't even know that uh, they had worked with Kate's dad at this point. Because Which is funny. Yeah. They didn't even know who who her father was or who uh, Kentaro's father was. They, he only found out, or Tim only found out when he was in Kentaro's apartment and saw a photo and he's like, oh shit. Yeah, um, that reaction yeah. is probably my favorite part of the episode <laughs> when he's looking at the family photos and he sees Hiroshi and he goes, oh, he goes outside to run after him even more, yeah. which adds to the mystery of what Hiroshi's role was. Was he formally in charge of Monarch? Who knows? But you do get the sense almost that the reason I the reason I keep on saying that I don't think Monarch is completely evil, I mm. think that they're more like just a secretive organization is, I think everybody knows about them to the point where when Kate goes to the police department and the cop gets on the phone, I have a feeling that he's talking to somebody about the situation and it has to do with like telling Monarch where this girl is or something like that. Yeah, I got that feeling too. I just, I wasn't sure if it was more her being paranoid exactly or if he was really kind of just like reporting you know on her i mean just like uh and for all mankind you know with with margo and and rasha right like like for a moment i felt like it's just like is everybody kind of like watching her like anybody in a position of power kind of knows about this Mm -hmm. or is she just being paranoid i'm not sure to 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 this point in time I, i don't know what i would put my money on here yeah, no, uh, me neither. I'm sure we'll continue to find out. But hey, they don't have Lee under lock and key in that senior living facility, right? He's able to take off that ankle bracelet and seemingly they're getting the hell out of there, right? Mm-hmm. We don't really see what they decide to do, but we can assume that they're all leaving there. They've got to leave. Uh, and, and trying to find Hiroshi or take the next steps to find him, right? Do you think Lee is Hiroshi's father or do you think Bill Randa is Hiroshi's father? Because I also think that that is not necessarily a close and shut case. I'm, I'm going to say I think Bill is, is Hiroshi's father. I, though it is interesting. I mean, Lee clearly has the, the hots for K in this, yes, in this absolutely, whole, whole show. Absolutely. And I was, I was thoroughly surprised at the beginning of this episode to find out that Lee was the first one to meet Kay. To, yes, so was I. So was so I. So I, I thought that was a little odd, but I do think that Bill and Kay, like they, they, they've got something, you know, that they've got something going on. I, He's just not I as think, flirty uh, as, as Lee is. I think Kay has the hots for Lee too, though. I think there is a little bit of a love triangle between these three. I and, do get that um, feeling too. Yeah. Or if not, it'll develop at some point. Um, because Lee does turn around immediately out of duty and, you know, whatever else you want to call it, right? He does yep. save their, he saves both their asses, to be honest. He does. He does. Thank you for seeing the flying dragon and coming back. Well, he didn't see the dragon. He saw- He, he um, saw the, he saw the fire the, in the air. He saw the patterns. The the light, but it wasn't, was it fire? It looked like- yeah, It was you know like, it ra- like radiation, like, yeah. like fire, like radiation. I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like everybody that saw it, you know, would call it fire because you're like, I don't know what else to call this glowing thing in the sky. It looked like, right? the, it looked like Aurora Borealis. Like in, it did. It did kind of look like that. During the day. Or it also looked like, you know, when that train ex- derailed in Ohio and all the 
chemicals were up in the air I'm recently, just it. earlier yeah. this year. And the the residents of the towns were videoing the uh, the rivers and the canals mm-hmm. and, the, mm-hmm. and the ponds and stuff. And you could see on the water when the sunlight would hit the water that it was like rainbowish. It was like a film all, on top of it, yeah. It was uh, all the chemicals within, which as they're in this naval destroyer, by the way, which it has a hell of a story because apparently Bill's, Bill Randa is the sole survivor of the ship that went down, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, which is a little shady, by the way. It's a, it's a little shady as to how he's the only survivor. I will say that I think something's up there. Um, hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It crashed 200 miles, I think he said west of Pearl Harbor. And they are 5,000 miles away from Pearl Harbor. So this ship was transported by whatever took it down. And I don't think it was that dragon, by the way. Um... I think perhaps it might have been Godzilla or something. My understanding is it was King Kong that they hit. Um, so that's that's what I've heard. Whether it's true or not, again, I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. Okay. Um, but I still don't think that explains how it got here. Well, maybe it is King Kong because it is in the middle of the jungle. Yeah, so, but I mean, he would have been just in the carry middle of the that? ocean, right? That's my point. Like, I don't know that it would have been him that brought it here. I don't I don't know how it got here. So, but like that's the part of like the, the mystery going on here that I really do like. I like that this feels like almost like an investigation. It's it's fun. Yeah. Minus the being, you know, chased after by titans and things like that. Yeah, have, did you ever watch the movie um I think it's called Wrath of the Titans? No, I don't think I've seen that. Man, I love Greek mythology. Same. Uh, and it has Sam, what's it? Worthington. Sam Worthington, and he plays Perseus. Hmm. It's actually a good movie. I mean, it has horrible ratings, but <laughs> you know, I gave up on on Rotten Tomatoes years ago when um, the Same. movie when the movie Secret Life of Walter Mitty came out with Ben Stiller. Yeah, and I watched that movie and I thought it was incredible. And then I looked at Rotten Tomatoes and it, it was like a puke tomato. It was like one of those rotten, to- literally a rotten tomato. It was like the yeah. review for for it. I was like. To hell with Rotten Tomatoes, man. They're bought and paid for. I don't know what they're doing with their rating system, but that's a good movie. It they kinda, haven't been accurate for me either. You know why they kind of suck? And I kind of, well, I'm not going to say they suck, man. I don't want to be super uh, judgmental there, but why, why I personally don't look at a Rotten Tomatoes rating when I'm going into a movie, because I can make up my mind for myself whether I like a movie or not. And they mm-hmm. used to have the Rotten Tomato rating on Netflix, I believe, or on, uh, on a certain streaming platform. And they removed it. Why? Because if you see a bad rating on a movie, right off the bat, you're like, oh, I'm not going to watch that. It has 30%. But who yeah. the hell watched the movie? You know? Yep. So, it's one of those things where just if you like the way a movie looks, go watch it. And if you like it, then to hell with 
the green tomato that they put on it. You know, but, <laughs> I'll take a look at the movie. Apparently, Liam Neeson plays Zeus in it as well. So yeah, I mean, it's pretty much a guy who's fighting a bunch of titans. It's it's pretty it's pretty awesome. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, it's a it's a fun one. I think it has like two or three movies in it. I had I don't even know if I've watched all of them. I think I've watched two of them. Wow. I, enjoy, I enjoyed them. I watched them years uh, ago. Ah, Clash of the Titans is one I've seen. Clash of the Titans is the first one. That's the okay. one I've seen. I haven't seen Wrath of the Titans. I don't know if I saw Wrath either. This is kind of a rabbit hole, but I, it's worth revisiting. I remember that that picture too. He's holding Medusa's head. Yeah. Um, And he fights Medusa or he uses Medusa's head at the end uh, as a weapon. It's, it's, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. I'm going to have to watch it. I don't think I saw the yeah. second one. Yeah. I don't remember it at the very least if I did. All right. Continuing on here. Kentaro, Kate, and May all get away. They meet up with Lee at the uh, senior living facility. And where we leave off really is Lee giving them a, you know, an ultimatum really. He cuts his ankle brace and says, you got 60 seconds to decide whether you want to stay here and pretty much be recruited by Monarch and, and have the same fate as me. <laughs> or... uh you want to go find your dad. Doesn't yeah. Kurt Russell have like the perfect voice for this kind of role? He does. I love it. I'm super excited to see, you know, where, where this is going to go with, with him and the crew. I 100% uh, think that they're all going to, to go with Kurt Russell. They're going to go on this little mission. There's no way they're going to be like, yeah, nah, I'm good. You know what I've never noticed or never said before? Kurt no. Russell has great hair, yo. Like He does. How old if, is Kurt if Russell? I, if I was old and had hair, how old I'd want is to look Kurt like that. Russell? <laughs> uh, Kurt Russell is 72 with that hair, man. 72. Good Lord. Anyways. Mario's a little moving. jealous with the hair. You, you got like young Kurt Russell hair right now. Yeah. Should I grow it out a little more on the, the I got good hair too. I'm just admiring the fact this guy's got like a full head of hair at 72. That's, that's a, ain't no hair plugs there, man. Hey, yeah. he don't got the Biden plugs. He does not. He's got his natural <laughs> hair. So, all right. Let's keep it moving here. They go into the ship, okay? They being Bill and K. Bill and K. Yeah. Yes, not Lee yet, okay? By the Correct. way, horrible decision by K here to just go with a random man in the jungle. I agree. To, to this ship. Had very heavy serial killer vibes, I wrote in my uh, notes. It felt very <laughs> much like, you know, you ever seen those movies where- the girl will go with the guy or the guy will go with the his old mentor, right? Who's uh-huh. like the who's like the close friend throughout the whole movie. And then it'll be like, Hey, Bill, where are you, where are you taking me? And then he'll just go into the next door. He won't say where he's going. Yep. Yep. It felt very much like that. And then when he finds his case in the ship, like his name is on the ship. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, man, I'm like, what the hell's going on? It's like a bunch of kid toys in there too. It's like a baseball yeah. glove and like a clown hat, you know, whatever he had going on there. Yeah. Uh, or at least it looked like a, one of those like uh, propeller hats from you get at the carnival. But anyways, um, very poor decision on her part, in my opinion. It just, it worked out well because um, talk about serendipity, right? You know, the, you survived this shipwreck mm-hmm. and on the day you are tracing a map, you run into another scientist looking for the same thing and you find the ship that you're the sole survivor of, which we know this also because we saw what looked like dozens or if not hundreds of corpses in that organic goo, right? Yeah. And the whole time I was thinking to myself, which is like, is this Chernobyl level radiation that they're walking through right now in this ship, considering that these animals 
have something to do with uh, like radioactive activity? That's a good question. Very good question. I don't think it's going to be that strong, but I, I, I couldn't tell you. I, how long was I this was, dragon in there? What'd you say? How long was this dragon in there for? <laughs> like, just couldn't. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, he may have been. Well, he must have been out flying, right? Because Lee saw, um, saw the patterns in the air, right? Like, that's why he came back. So, how, how does a dragon like this get seen? flying around and and like it does not become a bigger story i mean mythical who knows how frequently it flies around maybe it was in there just sleeping for 12 years i don't know a couple decades or something you know the the thing that i was a little curious about uh with bill um i think i think k basically asks him did you know this was here this being the ship he did he's like didn't know so much as you know hoped that it was here and i'm just i'm wondering like what it was why does he want to go back to the ship or find the ship you know yeah i maybe just questioning the the whole the whole way things went down you know but like mm-hmm. i said earlier i think it's a little shady that he was the only survivor on the ship did you did he just discover that calling or that passion for these unidentified you know massive creatures before the shipwreck, or was this a newfound, um, I don't know, a newfound like career path that he was deciding to go down after the fact? Maybe he was just a kid on a ship that got destroyed by something big in the ocean, and uh, you know he decided to go try and hunt these things down and figure out what the heck destroyed the ship. Maybe that's it. Still it don't understand sense, right? how he thought or why he would have that it was in the Philippines. I mean, it's the last place I would think to look for a ship that had a gaping hole in it. Uh, being in the middle of dry land, I would think to look at the bottom of the ocean, but I guess I'm just naive. I don't know what to make of it, but I can assume that he has more information than we have given to us in this episode. He has to. And it's 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 a decent motivation, right? Think about it. All your shipmates die. You want to avenge them. You want to mm-hmm. like tell the world so this doesn't happen to anybody else. So, you know, it's definitely a believable motivation. But I yeah. do wonder where we go from here, where things went after Kay was essentially, you know, devoured by these larvae, right? She was dragged down into, into that hole. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened to Bill and Lee's relationship after Kay disappeared? Or maybe she didn't disappear and, and stuck around for a few more years after that. And how that ties in with Hiroshi, right? Yeah. I still think it's an active mystery whether Hiroshi's father is Lee or Bill. And I do wonder... Who was Bill sending that message to at the beginning of the premiere? Does he mention a name? I feel, wasn't it for Hiroshi? Like, I feel like that's kind of who it was for. Mm-mm. I don't think, I don't think we ever heard a name. He, in said, the he, stole of that. he said he said he stole something from someone. I, I might've noticed it was gone by now. Yeah. Or something like that. Maybe it was for Lee. Who knows? We, we really don't know. We do know Lee took care of Hiroshi after... Uh, both of his parents were gone, so yeah, lots to find out. But nonetheless, we're off to a great start. I'm, I was almost happy that episode one was like, we get, we know we got a good, we got a good story on our hands. We got a good story on our hands. We're not gonna rush it out the gate. We got, we don't got to put a bunch of stuff out there in the premiere. It's just gonna just get better and better episode to episode because episode two surpassed episode one in my in my uh, book. Agreed. And um, 
I'm itching for episode three. This is like one of the few times that I kind of wished that we had like the full season out at this point. But uh, To binge it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I finished episode two and we get that cliffhanger of just um, what they're doing after leaving that facility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. It's got the Scooby-Doo gang yeah. coming yeah, together I'm, here. And I'm interested to know for the listeners out there who are listening to this podcast, what are you thinking about the show so far? Are you liking it? How does this stack up against some of the other shows we've covered on the network? And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Absolutely. We want to get into a couple categories. Um, I'd like to open up the emails and if you can read the email we got or the one of the emails we got, I believe. I don't think, I think we got like one or two. From Ryan Brenneman. Yes. Yes. All right. So from Ryan Brenneman, he wrote in about Monarch. It says, hard to keep up with all these shows. It's a good time to be alive. I completely agree. There's a lot of great shows coming out right now. Mm-hmm. Just so you know. So, interesting. Um, let's bleep that one from the pod. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, listening into the show, it sounds like maybe you guys did watch some of the Monarch Monster Universe movies. The 2014 Godzilla, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and Godzilla vs. Kong are highly recommended if you haven't seen them yet. They answer a lot of the questions you asked after episode one. They're all connected, and Monarch is heavily involved. So I might have to go back and watch a couple of those movies. Are you going to go back and watch them, or are you going you're gonna to stay as fresh as you can and just ignore it? I'm going to stay blind, and then as I become a monster, a monster addict after this show, then I'll you know, go into the break with some new movies to watch and a newfound appreciation for the monster genre. But uh, yeah, let's bleep out that spoiler because someone's didn't listen to this and be like, damn it. it just, <laughs> why? Was that the end of the email? No, there's a little bit more. You had asked how fast Godzilla could go from San Francisco to Japan. Oh, leave that out. Leave that out. All right. That out. We're, We're not going to talk, talk about, about that. that. So I'm not, I'm not going to read much more about this email. It is an interesting email though. Um, Thank I, you, Ryan. Thank yeah, you. Thank it's you. just uh, there's certain things in there we're going to leave out for what potentially could be um, spoilers if the, uh, the movies are deeply connected, which I, I believe they are. I think you're on the right path. Agreed. Okay. All right. What's the next one here? Beacon 23? Is that the one oh, we're talking yes. about? Oh, let's, yes. Let's make a comment about Beacon 23. Um, this is a side note. This is a new show. Uh, if you found this podcast through our coverage of the series of Silo, written by Hugh Howey, and on streaming on Apple TV, he also wrote Beacon 23. We haven't watched it yet. Um, we have gotten numerous requests, at least uh, via Spotify and via email, as to whether we're going to cover Beacon 23. And considering we have such a um, an audience that's interested in Silo and Hugh Howey's work, I think if we do watch Beacon 23 and enjoy it the way we did enjoy Silo, that it would be uh, something that we cover or be interested in covering. Uh, granted, uh, we do have to get, let's just get a business account MGM uh, subscription going and I'm going to watch episode one of Beacon 23 and I'll, we can watch it this week and come back with a report and see. We're launching a few things though. We got a lot going on in the network. I did respond to that email already and said, you know, we got to fit it into the uh, schedule. You know, one of the things on the line, just openly speaking, you know, we are a small network. You know, we are trying to grow and and become better at what we do uh, in all facets of things. But if we're doing a show, 
and we're covering it week to week and and you audience members out there for the most part are not enjoying it or you would like another show we want to give the people what they want as well so if there's another show that we like if beacon 23 for example and this is not happening at the moment but let's say you know overwhelmingly nobody wanted to hear uh one of the shows we're covering like for all mankind for example which is doing well in, in the analytics right now but let's say it was like doing horrible and nobody was interested in in that uh then we would perhaps pivot to fit a different show like beacon 23 into the schedule and we would probably watch For All Mankind and maybe do like a wrap-up episode. But we're just openly iterating right now and talking out loud about possibilities. Uh, and yeah, simple housekeeping, we are covering For All Mankind. So if you've never watched that show, it's getting good again. I thought seasons one and two were great. Season three was bleh. Uh, there were good parts and just not my cup of tea for some of the rest of it. Uh, ep- season four, though, is off to a fantastic start. It's kind of back into it's what made the show great. Yeah. And then we're also launching another series um, I might be inspiring Zach. I don't know if I'm inspiring Zach or his newborn baby is inspiring <laughs> Zach, but I, this is two Sundays in a row that I'm getting text messages about football from Zach. He, he's, <laughs> as as far as sports goes, Zach is a, is a baseball player, and uh, yep. but he hasn't ever shown you know a, a football diehardness. So if if he comes over to the to the light to see the light of how great football <laughs> is, then you guys will love this next show because I'm going to be covering the Dolphins. HBO Hard Knock series, which is launching. It's the first ever of its kind. They're doing a mid-series documentary series on the Miami Dolphins because we're the hottest team in the league right now. And as if you don't know by now, I'm a diehard Miami Dolphins fan. And I just, I was thinking to myself, I was on the couch, I think it was Friday or Thursday and, and the trailer came up and I was like, wait a minute, I'm ne- I may never have a damn opportunity like this again. I, you know, I host a show that, <laughs> that commentates and, you know, gives my opinion on, on TV shows that I like. Mm-hmm. I've I've cheered for a shitty football team for, for about 30 years. <laughs> my my entire life, okay? My only memory of our greatest quarterback was getting slaughtered by the Jacksonville Jaguars in the first round of the playoffs, okay? This is the greatest team we've ever had, okay? And and it's a show, so I get to talk about it. So I'm going to probably bring on some some guests who come in, some friends of mine who are also diehard Dolphin fans. And uh and as Zach continues to come along and watch these Dolphin games uh week to week, then <laughs> You know, maybe, maybe you'll join the show at a certain point there. <laughs> I might pop in. Yeah, yeah. So, we'll have that one going this week. That'll be a fun one for the sports fans out there. And um, yeah, join us on For All Mankind. And I feel like giving the people what they want with Beacon 23, I just, we got to fit it. We got to fit it into the schedule. We got to find a way over the next few months to uh, to do that. So, we got to figure it out. I mean, we got a few yeah. space-related shows that we would have covered at this point. For All Mankind, Foundation, so... Why not? Why not fit it in another one? Yeah. Oh, awesome. and it has um, um. Oh my God, uh, Lena Headey in it, who's uh, Cersei Lannister, and I make enough Game of Thrones references to to get sponsored by Game of Thrones. So uh, she plays Cersei Lannister, uh, a great character from Game of Thrones, uh, who you don't know about Zach, but you have homework. You have homework because we plan on on covering House of the Dragons next summer when uh, season two releases so I, w- I will say i have seen the first episode of the first season of house of the dragon and okay it was really good i liked it um i can't compare it to game of thrones because i have not seen it yet i think but I, think I did like it if i could give my professional opinion my unprofessional slash professional opinion watch game of thrones first get through the whole series then go to do house of the dragons okay uh, speaking of other book materials, I'm actually nearly done with uh, the Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of hmm. Songbirds and Snakes. That movie just came out in theaters on Friday. 
I'm planning to watch it at least um, over the next couple of weeks. And I do want to do a, a kind of quick review on that. The book's great. I'm listening to the audiobook. You can get it for free on Spotify. I don't even know if how that's possible, but it's there. And uh, if you look it up, you can listen to it. That's how I'm doing it. And I actually own the book too, but I've been increasingly busy with work lately. And it's been kind of great to listen to a great fiction novel uh, as, as I'm doing work or, you know, moving around the house and stuff. So uh, yeah, that's, that's my Rex. That's the, that's the housekeeping for now. Let's get into some categories on the second episode of Monarch. And then let's close out this episode. Love it. Let's start out with favorite character of the episode. Lee Shaw, boy. Kurt Russell and, uh, and the other one, Wyatt Russell. I'm going to have to agree with that. I, I want to give it to Kurt Russell's version just because, I mean. It's Kurt Russell. So, I, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, I'll do that. I'll, I'll niche down on, onto the, uh, which, uh, which Lee Shaw we're talking about here. Underrated Kurt Russell performance, Sky High. You ever watch that? About yes, this, I have. Superheroes? It's a I Disney have. movie. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He plays like the dad who's the... Does he uh, really? Yeah, and the son's kind of a late bloomer. He hasn't developed his powers oh, yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe that's him. Yeah, it's Kurt Russell. Yeah. Interesting, okay. <laughs> All right, favorite scene in the episode? I like the intro of, of Young Lee. And then... Um, I liked I liked Tim's reaction to finding out Kentaro was uh, Hiroshi's son. I thought that was that was a great moment because it just adds to the mystery of what the hell Hiroshi's role was. I liked that. I liked uh, I liked Kentaro and his mom ripping up the photos and and hopefully getting over this anger that he has with his father. Um, you know, may, maybe there's some forgiveness there. Maybe we're, we're past this whole, you know, I'm, I'm butthurt drama going on. Uh, and I also, I really loved seeing, uh, you know, Kate, Kentaro, May, and uh, old Lee Shaw team up at the end of this. Mm. Yeah, I, I did enjoy that at the end. I think that's my favorite scene when he cuts the ankle tracker. Yeah. It says, you got 60 seconds to decide. And Such it's a badass like, move. It's just yeah. like he's just sitting there and waiting for, I don't know, 20 years. Yeah, he's been waiting for this moment, right? It's all coming yeah. together now. And he's, you know, it feels like every moment, like even in life, right? You have like a split moment to decide what you're going to do. You don't get a lot, at least that, at least in my life, it feels like <laughs> all the big opportunities that have come along. A lot of it is that way. Have been like you don't have a lot of time to prepare for it. You just got to move, you know? And it's kind of fun to see these, these kids' lives like just completely uprooted. Kate and Kentaro and, and May, who's almost like Jason Bourne. She's got like a locker with different passports yeah, and money seriously. and stuff. We never really, we glossed over that, but um, she has an interesting past too. And I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out what the hell her story is. Yeah. I mean, Kate even made the reference to Jason Bourne in this episode. So yeah. it's kind of funny. <laughs> All right. Let's... That meme of, uh... Which one? Of the the guy in the uh, like CIA room and Jason Moore's like Jesus Christ that's Jason Bourne. <laughs> I'm not up on my meme culture like you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll help you out, man. I'll help you out. All right, that sounds like a plan. Let Let's close this one out with where do you think we're going to go from here? Apparently, the snow because the next thumbnail is <laughs> Kurt Russell like in Mount Everest. So yeah, apparently we're going to the snowy mountains, but um. I'm assuming these four will go after the last clue Hiroshi left behind. 
um, Tim and the, the female hitman or whatever she is, the bodyguard, the, will just be chasing them around the globe like a step behind or a step ahead the whole time. They mm-hmm. probably have Kentaro's mom hostage at this point. I don't know about that. Like they, they oh, both they left the sure. room. Like I, I thought they would, but I'm like, I don't know. That no, side of sure. you that's like, they're kind of nice. I'm like, yeah, maybe they're not going to kidnap her and just hold her hostage. <laughs> no, they for sure have her. That's, that has to be what happened there. I, I just have, if they kidnap this woman in, in the middle of a public train station, I have a feeling they're not above taking Kentaro's mother. So uh, there's that. Um, I think we'll keep getting the flashbacks. We'll keep learning more about um the early days of bill and dr mora and lee and what happened in that in that relationship between the three of them and yeah that's that's pretty much where i see it going at this point and and some inter intermittent uh godzilla attacks in between i think there will be a few godzilla attacks throughout the series uh because now he's back into jaws mode we got not even a whisper of godzilla in this episode yeah, very true. I don't. I wonder how much of this season or this show is really going to be focused so much on Godzilla versus just a bunch of the other monsters out there. I, sure. I imagine we're going to have to have a few sprinkled in Godzilla attacks, but that's not going to be the big focus of the yeah. show. Um, I'm I'm with you. I mean, clearly uh, Lee Shaw and and uh, Kentaro and, and team here are off looking for their father and what happened to Hiroshi. So. You know, ho- hopefully we find him soon. I don't, I, it might be a little, I don't think the payoff would be good enough if we find him in the next episode. So I, I don't think that we're going to find no. him right away. I think there's, there's probably going to be a couple episodes of, of looking for them and going on that hunt. The thing I'm curious about, and I'm not sure what's going to happen with is when we, when we go back in time and we're looking at younger Lee Shaw with uh, Bill and Kay, I wonder what, uh, what everybody's going to end up doing with all of these monsters. Right, like I would imagine yeah. they're not just gonna like, hey, great, we found one. Like, we're just gonna leave it here. Um, I don't like. I don't know if they're gonna cap, try to capture them somehow, bring in other groups. Not sure. I'm, I'm curious to see how that unfolds. And and yeah, you know, same. I imagine that's gonna be a recurring pattern. They're gonna find a monster. They're gonna, I don't know, capture it or something. But yeah, it's gonna just we'll turn it into out. Monster Hunter. It's gonna turn into. That'd be yeah. interesting. Well. All right. Anyways, thank you for listening to this episode of Monarch Legacy of Monsters by Story Archives. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Apple and Spotify podcasts primarily. You can visit us on YouTube at Soapbox Podcast Network. You can visit our website at soapbox.house, email us at contact at soapbox.house, and we do have a link in the description below to sign up for our quarterly newsletter. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. We will see you this Wednesday. It is showing up on this Wednesday. We will be recording the next episode of monarch and uh then we'll be following it up with for all mankind later in the week so stay tuned have a happy thanksgiving enjoy lots of apple pie sweet potato pie turkey mashed potatoes mac and cheese pecan pies tomatoes potatoes (laughs) all right enjoy it all right good one god bless peace peace